I watch film, but I'd be honest, I mean, when I first started watching film, I was just watching the game. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host at DDDNFL on Twitter. And of course, follow the group at UK Packers. And as usual, I'm joined by Miel Buddy, Miel Pal. It's at Pooley Shrew. It's Andy Davies. What's going on, Andy? Good evening, Stevie. Uh, how the devil are you? Um, I'm all right. Busy, busy week at work. Um, kids are getting over the illness. They've got a bad case of the sniffles, which, you know. Seemed seemed terminal for a while because I got it too, uh, which wasn't great. Your household shaping up, our right, Andy, on the run into the Christmas. Yeah, we've had a good couple of days, mate. Yeah, we're all uh, raring to go for Crimbo now. I think. Yeah, yeah. Some good news this week with the uh, the FA Cup draw on the football front. So yeah, very excited about that. So tell us about that because we were having a little bit of a pre-pod bants, and you told me first off something that I know. I think you need to be doing paternity tests on that son because he's not taking after his dad because this lad's banging in goals, right? Second off is that uh, he's doing some mascotting and it worked out pretty well. Yeah, so um, Santa Claus is bringing in Finley um, a mascot package for, for Christmas. Right. And originally we'd planned for the uh, 6th of January, which was the league game against Gillingham. But uh, Shrewsbury have made their way to the third round of the FA Cup. Uh, and they play off against uh, Rhino's team, West Ham United, on uh, Sunday the 7th of January at Shrewsbury, which will be a full house, and um, it's live on BBC TV. And uh, Finley's going to be the mascot. So uh, when he finds out that on Christmas Day, he's going to be uh, crawling the rooftops with excitement, I think. So, yeah, looking forward to it. It should be a good day, good family day out. And, um, yeah, I'm sure Finley will be uh, flaunting his skills on national TV. <laughs> And he, he doesn't listen to the podcast, does he? Oh, well, he won't be, no. And, and good luck to the uh, ground staff trying to get him off the, the pitch when the game starts as well. He might tug out. Look, when you said Gillingham, I was thinking, Jesus, that'd be a nice, easy game. And then you said West Ham, and I was like, that's going to be a really easy game. So, I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ryan needs to get his power back up and running so I can uh, give him some real ribbing. I know, yeah. So... Uh, Look, he's moving house and he's ripping down walls because it's a bit of a project house, right? Um, and the internet is the same that happened to me. I tried to get internet in the house and it, looked, it took like three months to get it in. And I was like screaming at people down the phone. And, I, you know, I'd like to just take this opportunity to apologize to Sky staff for shouting down the phone because it was very irate. But it honestly took me about three months. And um, But Rhino is in the same sort of situation. His Wi-Fi is completely uh, clapped out. And I can I just I get these visions that him and the missus are just living in one room of the house. You know that's that's why it seems like to me like they're just camping out in the kitchen. You know, yeah, it only get worse when he loses on the seventh of January as well, just <laughs> just to compound matters. Yeah, oh, yeah, he might you know they might foreclose on the house and everything after that because he just won't be able to go back to work. Um, <laughs> but Andy, come here. Look, I want to talk about something because we had clown of the week. Um, what was it last week or the week before, or whatever? And I omitted um, Ben McAdoo for being a complete another dope, right? Um, with this whole scenario with Eli Manning and making the the quarterback cry and all the rest, which I think Eli Manning's on. You know, he's always been inconsistent, and anyway, that's a that's a debate for a different day. But what flagged in Pack Nation this week was is that there's an open GM position in New York, and there's 15 candidates for this position. And I don't know whether it's just, you know, people getting bored. Uh, they don't want to keep writing the Packers are struggling articles or Aaron Rodgers is going to be back articles. So they try move to something different. And one thing that they've raised is, is the fact that um, Elliot Wolf was on that list of 15. Now, where they got the list, how do you know? Who knows? 
my question to you is, I mean, is it a possibility that Elliot Wolf goes to New York? Because we've seen all this talk about Elliot Wolf being lined up as a sort of successor in Green Bay. But I like, and again, this is one of my 17 part questions. I just don't understand. This blows my mind, right? First off, um, how do we know that Elliot Wolf is in that succession? Number one. Number two, Elliot Wolf in the media seems like he's just a just an absolute genius he's like his dad but better um and all of this type of stuff how do we know any of that how do we know he's going to be good for green bay is just is a change as good as a rest i mean is that what people are doing here is it just the fact that he's got his dad's name he's been around football a long time um you know and it's just they want someone young in there and they think he's going to be aggressive because of his age or whatever like is that the factor like how do we have any proof uh, that that's actually going to be the case like can you answer any of these questions <laughs> um probably not but i can give you a good summary um it's i don't know whether he's got an agent or not but if you think about any high profile player um in regards to any sport really or profession where agents are involved if there's a, a possibility of a transfer which will then ultimately mean that they get a significant pay increase uh, with a better club with a better job then their name's in the frame. Yeah. So that the agent doing their job is saying, yeah, well, you know, Real Madrid are interested in my player. Um, you know, Barcelona are interested in my player. Uh, the New York Giants are interested in my player. Uh, all that sort of stuff goes on, doesn't it? It just blows the price up, doesn't it? And it forces the hand of the parent club to try and do something. Now, I'm guessing that whether it was Elliot Wolf doing it himself or his dad or his agent, I, I would guess that to get your name in the mix, you know, pushes his price up a little bit, doesn't it? And also forces the Packers' hand, doesn't it, to a degree. And at some point, uh, I would imagine in the near future that they'll be having a conversation around, it's either my time now or it's see you later. Um, and I think that's definitely coming to a head this, this off-season, for sure. So this is my problem with it like we've seen players in the past that it, it looks like that they're going to force the Packers hand and that's that almost gives them motivation to let the player go you know they don't want to deal with it they don't want to deal with not egos but they just don't want to be backed into a corner and we know the Packers to be somewhat frugal when it comes to certain decisions so I mean look Ted Thompson has another year on his deal Um, you know Mike McCarthy's I think has the, has the same amount of time like is there a chance that they step down before the contract is up or is that succession planning do you think going to be no he's going to do the year he's going to like finish out his contract and then they're going to make all this stuff happen or do you see the Packers making a move early on the likes of a GM role I don't know when, I, when I've thought about it I can see some sort of um, integration program going on I don't know it's probably sort of just me talking pie in the sky but I think in, in name only that they would have some sort of handover period, potentially. I don't know whether that will be for the duration of the year left on Thompson's contract, whether it be for two or three months or he would oversee the draft. I'm not quite sure how it works, really, but I just don't see us going through another calendar year with Wolf not at the top of the tree. So in, in what respect he gets it, whether he gets almighty power, whether he gets partial power, whether he's you know, um, a solid number two in name only. I, I, I'm not quite sure, but I just don't see it going through the same scenario that we've gone through this year where nothing happened in, in essence with either him or the likes of John Dorsey or, is it, you know, I think there's 
quite a few candidates out there, isn't there, that, that are all pushing for GM positions. And I think there's going to be a number of positions available this off-season like there, there tends to be. And I think um, Cleveland, there'll be a vacancy now, isn't there? New York Giants have got a vacancy now. I would imagine there'll be at least sort of four or five other vacancies in the off-season. So out of those 16, 17 candidates, you know, they're all probably plugging for the same jobs. It's a bit like your, your Premier League managers, isn't it? It's the same managers that get regurgitated over and over and over and form the head of the betting for each vacancy that comes up. And it's no different for the GM world at the moment. Um, I don't know. Like you said, though, I think Elliot Wolf is, um, at the minute, is living on reputation, isn't he? Partly because of his dad um, and partly because of some of the stuff that he's done with TT in the, in the, in the draft room. But we'll never know until he gets the keys to the car, will we? Yeah, and this is the thing. Like, I'm not for an instant saying that I don't think Elliot Wolf was worthy or anything like that. I'm just fascinated by how... I suppose it's all marketing, really. But I'm, I'm fascinated by how this reputation has, has come about. I've no doubt that he's competent. And the fact that he's getting interviewed by other teams and all the rest. Because we've seen him go for the 49ers interview um, earlier in the year. So, you know, he's going for... GM interview jobs and that's just what strikes me about the whole thing is that if he was definitely told yes you're going to step in next year and this is how it's all going to be you have a franchise who is a Super Bowl favourite every year when healthy um, you know it's right up there we're right up there with the Patriots the Seahawks every year in the bookies that you know we're in, we're in the top three in the mix and that sort of chops and changes depending on how the season starts it just baffles me that we'd be in that position that's the team that you would get You've been told, just wait a year, just relax. And then you go off and start interviewing for other jobs. Now, I know the rationale of like it pushes his price up and all the rest of that. But, you know, if I've been told by my dad I'm going to get a Porsche, I don't go out and go, well, I'm going to go to the BMW dealership just to see what's out there. You know, like I'm sort of going to be like, just shut up, just sit down, eat your cereal and, and enjoy yourself and just know that in a year's time, you're going to be handed the keys to the castle. So I just find that, that aspect very interesting. And I also find it really interesting that, uh, people are out in articles and social media and all the rest going oh they should just get this guy in it's like oh, okay well tell me what he's done just tell me why you know but anyway look it's all to do with marketing because you often see on social media that people come out with stuff um, and it's a it's a regurgitation of what the company that's selling that thing like for instance I've seen people say online oh that buggy that's after coming out is actually future proof and then I looked at the buggy and the main tagline in the ad just says this buggy future proof and i'm kind of thinking no like you can't just regret it it's not how it works but um you know fair play to the buggy company no i listen i just i just uh, he's got it all to prove hasn't he it's uh, uh but i just think that it's a young man's game isn't it and i think he's a little bit more in touch i don't think he particularly interviews that well when he comes across on on sort of packers.com the interviews mm. he's done he doesn't strike me as a sort of fantastic communicator but he's probably still two or three grades above Ted. So we'll, we'll take that improvement, I would guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, I certainly would anyway. But um, he doesn't strike me as someone who sort of is lights out in an interview. Um, you know, and the, and the 49ers, just like the Giants, had a, a real selection to choose from, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, and they, they gave it to John Lynch in the end, didn't they? Who was a, you know, who, who'd done sort of four or five years on TV, knew how to say the right things at the right time, mm. has played the game for a number of years. So, you know, knows the game inside out. So, had real strong credentials, um, I, w I would suggest. Uh, and potentially, um, Wolf is a bit of a sort of, you, you are taking a chance, aren't you? Because he hasn't got the track record, has he? We don't know in terms of the draft room who's made what decisions. We were talking pre-pod, weren't we, about sort of which guys put their names next to which player 
because that typically is what happens, isn't it? Where you'll you'll fall, you'll be enamoured with a player and say, yeah, this guy's the one. You know, ultimately it's Ted that has the final say, but mm. th- there'll be people nailing their colours to the mast of a individual player. So I guess the best person to have a handle on it all would be Mark Murphy. Yeah. Because he'll be in the, the war room and he'll know, you know, which member of his sort of uh, front office team is, uh, is back which player. So he'll have a real sort of overview if you like of which which guys are, are doing the business and which ones are sort of falling short of the mark so that, that'll be the litmus test for me won't it but imagine getting them back on the podcast again and just asking them hey mark uh which ones did elliot go for <laughs> just trying to pick his brain yeah he's but it's true isn't it mm-hmm. they won't all love the same players there'll be a difference of opinion absolutely and there'll be healthy discussions and you know mike mccarthy's alluded to it on several occasions it doesn't matter which way your board falls you, you'll fall in love with the player and you'll want him on your team um yeah. You know, I work in retail and, and we've had many conversations like that in terms of recruitment where you'll interview 10 different people, but you'll, you know, you'll fall in love with, you know, X person and you'll want them on your team. Other people will have interviewed the same people and have X, Y and Z people, you know, and then it's about, you know, who wins out in the argument, you know, who has the final say. And ultimately you bring those people on board and you live or die by your, you know, your recruitment. And yeah. that's no different to the NFL, is it? So, yeah. It'll be interesting to see. So let's uh, let's put a a reminder, a little uh, toggle on that, and see how it all pans out. Because if we do get Elliot Wolf, I wonder will we see the wholesale changes that his dad was brave enough to come in and make it's time to walk into the dressing room, uh, per Leroy Butler, who was on the pod, and say, "Lads, not for you aren't going to be here next year," and he's stuck by his strategy, um, and lived and died by <laughs> the most famous. Of players, I'd be pretty miffed if we lost him. If I'm honest, so because we've we've sort of nurtured him, haven't we? We've we've brought him through the ranks. You know, he's learned from his dad. He's learned from Thompson in his heyday. So with, with all that knowledge now intact and the ways of working and, and one thing and another, I'd be pretty disappointed if he if he did decide to sort of go elsewhere and we lost out. On, you know, at the end of Thompson's contract or or even this off season, hopefully, in my opinion, we go looking externally for a replacement. That's to me, it seems a, a bit odd. Yeah, I can see benefits and, and disadvantages, right? So I can see the benefit because it's hard to know what training he took as being formative, you know? I mean, it, did, did he take the fact that, is he taking stuff from his father? Would he lean heavily on him? Was he too young, really, honestly, at the time? Because born in 1982, yeah. you know? So, I mean, how much did he actually take in about the whole process? But we've seen sometimes it can just be about conditioning, really. We've seen that happen with Sean McVay, um, his grandfather was GM with the uh, Niners, went and won a dumper load of Super Bowls with them. And the fact that he was just around it and knew the lingo, knew the language, knew how it worked, then that's going to be important. And then on the opposite side, then you see, well, you know, if he's being trained and, and given the reins by the current staff with the Packers, do you want a wholesale change? Do you want someone to come in with a completely fresh perspective? Or does he have the right blend of both of those to come in? and kind of do a little bit of both to make enough change so that it freshens up the place, but still stick with the whole ethos that is behind the Packers. It's hard to know, Andy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it is it's difficult. I'm sure, it'll, uh, many twists and turns to come yet, I think. Yeah, so let's hold our breath on that one then and see exactly what happens. But come here, we have this Browns game coming up, and this is scaring the pants off me, right? Because I'm not entirely convinced, and this is going to annoy people out there, but I'm not entirely convinced that this is going to be a walkover. And... Because, right, let's look at the stat sheet here, right? Um, total When it comes to total offense, we have the 25th worst best team versus the 24th. The Browns, they're the 24th. 
Uh, we look at passing attack. And we have the 27th best team versus the 23rd. Yeah, the Browns are the 23rd. We look at total defense. We're coming up against the 24th best defense versus a top 10 defense. And the Packers are that... No, the Browns are that 10 defense. And the the only thing we beat these in is in rushing. And again, they're 19th, we're 16th. So it's it's so-so, right? Now, I'd argue that looking at it now and what we saw last week against the Bucs, I feel an awful lot more confident about that. But the point being is that on paper, and I've said this before, and I know Ryan's come in and said, yeah, well, games aren't played on paper. I get it, right? <laughs> but on paper, if you were to give a clueless person these stat sheets and show them, you know, yards per game and all of this, the Browns come out top in this game, yet the bookies are favouring us by, what did you say the spread was? Was it three? Three-point favourites, aren't we? Which, which, you know, if you ask me over the last five years, you know, what would the spread be, Packers v the Browns? You, you, most years, you'd be looking at double digits. Yeah plus 14 and above wouldn't you um, so to have it at three points t- tells everybody really where we're at really so what Andy this game scare you no oh, very much so yeah <laughs> very much so I, I don't know why it's been a game that's been on my radar for a number of weeks um, I always take a casual interest in the Cleveland Browns just because simply because of the fact because they, they never win but you're yeah. always looking for that first win aren't you yeah but but it's just almost like a rewind of the, the Tampa Bay preview for me is when I've looked at the perimeter players, you know, got a really promising young tight end in Njoku, um, two excellent wide receivers, albeit a bit edgy, in, in Corey Coleman and Josh Gordon. Um, solid running game led by Duke Johnson. And um, they've got a better offensive line than what Tampa Bay put up last week. Um, the QB's young, he's going to make mistakes, um, has made mistakes, um, similar to... Winston in a lot of ways so when you look at the struggles that we had on Sunday versus Tampa Bay it's even more food for thought going into this game away from Lambeau with a a team that's probably a little bit better on offense I would suggest and and a lot better on defense yeah like the top 10 defense kind of scares me and yeah you look at their offense and you're thinking you know how much can they get against us to Sean Kaiser there's 32 quarterbacks in the league just to remind people of that he falls to 36 in the ranking so go figure right <laughs> uh, so it's not great this piece passing is poor um but again on on run he, he's fantastic right that's where I think his danger is looking at the wide receivers you know you have to put all of that into perspective I guess because if he's if he's passing is atrocious well then he can have the best wide receivers in the world now we've seen that lately haven't we with Jordy Nelson Randall Cobb um we've seen that if you pass in your reads and you're not accurate uh, well then it's going to come back to punish you so as you said Corey Coleman and Josh Gordon the two main um receivers for the Browns uh Coleman again it's not great and great really isn't uh but Josh Gordon is off the charts um I think it's really going to come down to the run, Andy, isn't it? And how much we can stuff the run. Um, I, I'd say that look out for runs up the middle a lot um, in this game because, as you said, you know, they haven't got a bad running back. Uh, Treader is in at centre. The the guy, everyone will know, JC Treader, we let go. He's doing pretty well this season. Uh, Betonio at left guard and Zeitler at right guard are just fantastic. So in the middle, you know, like Kaiser has fantastic pieces in the middle of his offensive line to make stuff happen um but obviously just you know his passing attack just isn't there so i would sort of watch out for runs up the middle um 
uh, with Crowell. Uh, Crowell. I'm gonna. Do you know what? I'm gonna say it, and people are gonna kill me for pronouncing it wrong anyway. Um, and then to see can he get the sort of little dinky donkey stuff? It's literally going to be two sort of mirroring offenses where they're probably going to be try be run heavy to take the weight off Kaiser. Um, and then go dinky donkey with you know Gordon, which is a dynamic wide receiver, and we're probably going to look to do the same. So, you know, it, it'd be interesting to see Andy wanted. You know, does does Betonio, Treader, and Zeitler do they stack up well against the likes of of Mike Daniels and Kenny Clark in the middle? And if that does, does that nullify the pressure that they're going to get? And we're going to have to rely on Nick Perry and Clay Matthews to get that pressure, and then Martinez to come in and, and shore up the the run. So. I don't know. It's it's a battle of the Titans up front, but it's. I think it all comes down to defense at the end of the day for the Browns. Really, is how much that they can limit us. Yeah, I don't think we'll get seven sacks this week. That's for sure. No, they definitely have a more solid base than what Tampa Bay came to Lambeau with last week. So I think we are. Um, I, I would hesitate to guess that we're going to be relying on mistakes. So I think that Deshaun Kaiser is probably the, the most likely uh, option in terms of where the mistakes are going to come from. Um, and then on the other side of the ball, I think we need to go run heavy. I think you'll see an awful lot of Jamal Williams, and I think you'll see a lot more of Aaron Jones this week. Um, yeah. And and those are the two things that, uh, if they come to fruition, then we can come out of Cleveland with the W. I, I think it's going to be tough. I think it's tough on the stat sheet. I think it's close in the bookmakers, and it is a banana skin, isn't it? Um, if we play like we did last week, I think we're going to struggle. Yeah. If we play closer to how we played against sort of Pittsburgh offensively, then... Um, we might sneak the win but I think it's going to be close either way it wouldn't surprise me if it's um, a last two minutes sort of field goal situation uh, flip of a coin to see which way it goes yeah because I think the passing game is going to be very dangerous in this game the cornerbacks and the the safeties for the Cleveland Browns are fairly tidy and I think that's where they get an awful lot of that high grading from Jason McCourty is ranked number 10 in the league and uh, Calhoun, uh, Body Calhoun is 17th, which is which is fairly tidy as well. I mean, you know, they're grading fairly high. Uh, Derek Kindred, the safety, also is doing the job for them this season. So, you know, th- that's really where, and of course, um, lest we forget about um, Miles Garrett. So, you know... They're young, aren't they? They're, they're very young, aren't they? Yeah. So they're very precocious and they have the ability to make plays. Miles Garrett, I've been particularly impressed with Joe Schobert, the uh, Wisconsin guys, you know, making tackles for fun. I like Jabil Peppers coming out of Michigan. I thought he was a, a hybrid sort of player that could be used effectively in the NFL. So I think they've got, they miss Jamie Collins. They, make, they miss his presence in the, in the linebacking core. But they've got, you know, a lot of potential within their, within their sort of roster. The problem is we're young, is that you get inconsistencies, don't you? And that's where they've struggled. That they can't do it for four quarters. So yeah. that we've got to pin the hope on that, again, that strikes itself. And, um, we can pick up on any mistakes that they made and make it pay. But potential, you know, in terms of uh, players on the up, they've, they've got plenty. And that's the thing. I mean, they're talking about the Cleveland Browns as sort of a, a failed experiment already. I've seen people come out and say, this is not how you build a roster. But, you know, like, what do we do? Hark back to English football and Manchester United and say you can't win at them with kids. I mean, give it time, you know, give the team time to sort of gel together. It does all sort of fall on the quarterback position as well. We've seen how devastating that is for us this season. But I have to agree with you like this. This is going to be a real grind out game. And I think that the spread at the bookies is right. And the problem with it is, is that we are potentially close 
because I, I don't know if he's been even medically cleared yet to come back and he has the Aaron Rodgers I mean he's not waiting for that he's just going to come back anyway he's, he's just decided to play and that's it he doesn't need medical clearance he's that good yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he ascends after the season after he wins the Super Bowl to the right hand of the Lord but yeah. yeah look it's going to be a grinded out game and it just worries me that people are seeing this one as the gimme that it's just a, yeah we beat these it's fine and then you're like well it's not that straightforward that is they haven't won a game all season it's fine and you're like oh, it's not fine it, you know this is a very scary game because it's not as if they've been chumps all season you know they've, they've scored okay in some games I mean you know they brought the Steelers to three points so that was 21-80 in the first game of the season the Colts they brought within three points that was 31-28 um, you know they put up 17 points against the Texans a pretty good Texans defense you know they were three points away from um, a win against the Jets so you know, I might go, oh, geez, who's the Jets? Um, the Vikings—they brought that game ridiculously close, but then you know they do what the Browns do. The Lions—they put up twenty-four points. Um, you know, the Bengals—they put up sixteen points. So they're able to put up points for sure, and it's just—it's whether they can get that purchase against the Green Bay defense and they're at home as well. Um, so you sort of see the trend that when they play poor teams. Like even the Titans, twelve nine. So like you know, when they come up against poor, poorer teams that can't put up points, they can you know chip away at the field goals. They'll get sort of a nice lucky touchdown. So this is not a game I think we can take lightly. And this is the start. Of, what what have you got? Three road games in the last four. So it's a tough stretch. Yeah, it's a tough stretch, isn't it? I, I don't know. I just look at the headlines and see that. You know, Rogers comes back. He's come back way ahead of schedule against all the odds. Um, you know, building up to a crescendo, and then we go and drop one to the Cleveland Browns <laughs> against all the odds. So that, yeah. that's the headline we need to watch out for. Listen, if we can, if it all stacks up, and they make a couple of mistakes on offense, and we, you know, really sort of commit to the run game, I think that that could pay dividends, uh, and we could get out there with a the win. But I just think we need to play mistake-free football yet again really sort of turn to both Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. I think those two together in tandem could be great. And then it might just set some play action up for some of the deeper stuff that was been missing out of the playbook the last few weeks. Um, and that's the way I would go. Even if it means the first three or four drives are all sort of, you know, just field position. Um, I'd, I'd rather that and soften up a little bit and, and commit to the run. Uh, and let's see where it gets us. Um, yeah, It's going to be tight. I think it's going to be close. I think it may come down to a last-minute kick. I think it'll be three points. And I think the bookies have got it about right. And hopefully we're on the right side of that. But, um, yeah, head saying um, ooh, it's going to be tough. Heart saying we, we, we win by three points. So I think any of this game is going to go one of two ways. One of three ways, and the third one is the fact that we lose, but I'm not going to go there. <laughs> one is that we eke out the win, but just barely, just that just that kicker we maybe maintain a touchdown lead and then they get back a field goal and we only barely pip it by less than a score or whatever but the other way is that we just we just blow them apart maybe there's sort of a a renewed motivation the pre-Aaron Rodgers comeback effect where everybody plays on their game everybody's excited and buzzing they know that they're going to use this game as their sort of statement game to to stamp themselves you know on a team that's really not doing well this season despite their top 10 defense and maybe it's all starts to come together and the machinery starts going again in preparation maybe Brett Hundley is a bit looser he knows that this is you know his last game as a starter uh, for the Packers and maybe his last game as a Green Bay Packer in general so 
you know, maybe they ship him off, maybe they don't, maybe they try to keep him and try to pretend that his trade value is going to be an awful lot better than it is. Who knows? But, you know, maybe, yeah. maybe that's a factor in this game because you did talk about that before, right? That the morale and the way a team feels sometimes can be very impactful and you just need that passion and that fire. Yeah, that's the hope, isn't it? That, that all those things you just talked about come to fruition. I really hope that's true. I'm just basing my analysis on the on the sort of Tampa Bay game and what my eyes told me. Yeah. So it needs to be a vast improvement on that to, to get the result that we need this week. That's for sure. And, and anyway, I'm I'm turning into a New Orleans, Minnesota and Jacksonville Jaguars fan this week anyway. So <laughs> just in the hope, hope that Atlanta, Carolina and Seattle all get topped off. Yeah, we, that, that's the thing. We need some help. Even if we land at 10 and 6, we still need some help. So um, th- that's really that, that with the game. And the only bigger news that came out during the weekend was the fact that Kevin King was going to be put on injured reserve. I mean, is this a massive loss for him? Is it a massive loss for the fan base, for the team? Or do you think that, you know, he put in an okay first season as a rookie? You know, he's lots to learn, but he's, you know, maybe it's good for him to sit out. No, lots to like. Um, a big miss. He's something different, isn't he? So he, th- he challenges the taller wide receivers effectively. Um, he had some rookie pains, growing pains, but that's to be expected. Um, but I think he's done really well. I think he's done really well to sort of fight through the injury, which is obviously a significant one. And we're seeing that borne out by the fact that he's on, on IR. And we look at our defensive backfield now, it's awfully thin, isn't it? So, you know, we look at Randall and Hawkins, it's not, you know, oodles of physicality there, is there? So, um, and with Clinton Dick so far back, it's um, it lacks even more physicality. <laughs> yeah, and that's, do you know what? And it's kind of like, be careful what you wish for in the sense that if we, if we were to get into the playoffs, I mean, how far do we think we're going to get in the playoffs yeah. with that type of secondary yes. um, as well? But And the good point, I mean, the fact that he's been dealing with the injury for a while now and Mike McCarthy came out and said the same, um, you know, talking about his toughness and the fact that, you know, this isn't something that's just happened in the last week or two. We've seen that. We've, we've seen him on the injury report and all the rest. So he's been dealing with it for a while now. And he said that, and I'll, I'll quote him here, that it speaks volumes but it got to the point where surgery was necessary. So he played all the way up to the point of, right, I'm not playing this week because I'm actually going to get surgery on it. So that shows the kind of toughness that we need as a Packer. And some of the other Packers players come out and said that as well. But that raises the question, like, it seems valiant and it seems great to do, but is it selfish in a way of a player to play on with an injury when he's not 100% when maybe he should sit out earlier, let someone else step up to the plate and focus on getting himself better for the sake of the team as well? It's difficult, isn't it? I, I mean, I, I, it sort of really came to to my light when he, um, I think it was against New Orleans, it was a pitch play to the left and he was in a slot corner mm. and he, he just couldn't tackle, he couldn't physically lift his arm. I think it was his left arm to make the tackle on the inside. Yeah. Uh, previously, the, the previous two plays, he'd sort of made tackles to the right-hand side um, and, and sort of really laid out. And I just thought, guy, the poor guy can't even get his arm up. He's really physically being challenged, which is probably why you saw him playing a little bit in the slot and, and being moved around a little bit more. So to, to go through that sort of pain and, and injury uh, at that level and to continue to play is just hats off really, isn't it? You know, yeah. I just it's a, I think he's a, one of the pieces of the puzzle that we've now got for, for next year in terms of a starting cornerback. I don't think Devon House will be the answer, obviously. Um, Demarius Randall's coming on at a, at a pace the last four or five games, so hopefully yeah. he can continue that upward curve and then potentially then you've got two starting corners, which is a good starting block, isn't it? Yeah, 
to have two actual starters at the position is always positive, uh, which is yeah. something that we haven't had in Green Bay for. for a we while. need to do a better job in the off season though of getting guys in that are that are hungry, you know, at the cheaper end of the pay scale that have have physical attributes that can be coached. We seem to sort of struggle in that area at the minute. Mm. I just don't see the athleticism that that other ball clubs have. We seem to just be, uh, I don't know, both size wise and and speed wise, we seem to not quite be on the pace. I'd like to see uh, us do a better job in the off-season of recruiting around that area. Yeah, because, I mean, you have to give respect to a team like Seattle, for instance, who pride themselves on that Legion of Boom. You know, we need that type of thumping, aggressive, nasty defence. And I don't know, like Kevin King is great for measurables and I think he has the height. I don't think he particularly has the build. He's quite wiry. Um, But I'd love to see more players like that with those measurables coming into Green Bay, uh, but to have more of a nasty streak. I I see an awful lot of body language from from King where he walks away from something kind of shrugging his shoulders. Maybe maybe that's age and and immaturity at the moment and he'll grow into that and he'll grow into his own body effectively. He's still a very young man, um, but he's an exciting prospect. Yeah, definitely, yeah. I was looking at some... um VT of uh, a guy called Chuck Cecil the other day. I don't know if you remember him, a pack of safety from the, the sort of late 80s. Yeah. A guy, you know, someone like that who could really lay the wood and, you know, he wasn't, he was a little bit limited in coverage, but he just, he set a tone. You know, you can have a mix of people in your defensive backfield. I think we we haven't quite got the mix right. We've got a very much, the very same, you know, the very much, you know, a replica of each other and we need something a little bit different, a tone setter and, a bit more athleticism, I think. Yeah. Well, stick with us um, because uh, we're going to be covering the game on Twitter and, of course, in our closed Facebook group. It's brilliant. We start a game thread and then loads of people comment underneath. It's a fantastic forum and it's a great way to meet new people, new friends and hear a different Packer perspective than your own. But there's going to be a London meetup in the Hippodrome which is just off Leicester Square in London. Fantastic venue. We're in the lounge. So if you want to know exactly the directions how to get there, again, it's in our closed Facebook group. It's up on our Instagram account. Um, it's up on our Twitter as well. So you'll sort of, um, you know, find all the details there. We also send out a newsletter. So it's on the newsletter too. And if you're in London and you're signed up as a member, you likely have an email sitting in your inbox. Hopefully it hasn't gone into your junk mail because, you know, keep that for Bears emails. So, and why you sign up the Bears stuff anyway. So as well as that, go on to our Instagram because we've posed a question and we're getting some fantastic comments on it. It's all about... You know, it says, I've become a Green Bay Packers fan because now we get sort of flippant remarks from people in Wisconsin who say, yeah, because I'm born here. Dope. You know, it's kind of like, all right, calm down. Um, so, you know, but we've seen people born in Chicago, born in Minnesota, born in Indiana who are Packers fans. Of course, and everybody over here is a Packers fan as well. And there's usually a reason. And don't be embarrassed because there's an awful lot of stories out there about people who played Madden and became a fan and, you know, watched a really poor game back in the 80s and said, oh, I picked a green team. Some people had... You know, the Green Bay Packers have the same colour as their soccer squad, and that's how an awful lot of people get into it as well. You know, just supported Norwich and all the Norwich listeners out there, and then you became a Packers fan because of that. So it happens. I mean, we've heard it all, Andy, haven't we? You were a fan because you watched the game way, way back in the day, didn't you? What was it? Did you watch the game or heard the game back in the day? I picked up a magazine uh, back in 83, um, and they played Pittsburgh Steelers um, for no other reason. There was a bit of snow on the ground. There was a... Mm-hmm. It was a Fairly high-scoring game. I think James Lofton scored two touchdowns, 70-plus yards. And I thought, yeah, they look like a team to follow. Uh, that was it. No other reason, really. Uh, like the colours. <laughs> yeah, well, I, 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 I couldn't tell you why. Just just, just caught my attention. It was the first ever edition of a sort of Gridiron magazine in the UK. Yeah. Uh, I think it was called, just sort of evolved into, I think from Touchdown, I think it was originally called. Yeah. Um, 
but I just picked it up and, and straight away I was like, yeah, that's my team. Uh, I went from there, really. The fact that you stayed with them through all of those poor... Um, maybe maybe you could get to watch every game live and all the rest of that. You might have been more annoyed or whatever. But uh, the fact that it was sort of delayed and you can read how the play went down and maybe give them the benefit of the doubt. But we had a guy on our Instagram picture because we're getting everybody to comment and the best story gets something from the box of swag here in UK Packers HQ. But one guy who said, my grandfather played for them. And I was like, really? Wow. And I looked at his name and I was like, geez, I'm going to have to figure it out from his name. And his name was just you know whatever it was 77 whatever and i said why who's your grandfather he said billy grimes so billy grimes he was a running back for the packers from 1950 uh what was it 1950 51 i think um and he was voted to the pro bowl twice so he was pretty handy like so he played crazy yeah Yeah, brilliant stuff that yeah check out your family tree steve that's what you'll have to do yeah need to trace myself back so that's the thing on joan's side of the family they started in ireland went over to america um, and then they they all came back to Ireland again. They were engineers and worked on ships and all this weird stuff over in the States. But some of her family, which I only found out after, um, obviously, you know, years of being a Packers fan. Um, and then someone said, oh, you're into the Green Bay Packers. And I said, yeah, I was like, well, all of her family in America all live in Wisconsin and, and all Milwaukee and all the rest. So they were said they send over like a little Packers thing. They send it over for the kid. But obviously I rob it and put it in my... Uh, case of merch so i just sort of bang it in there and go yeah yeah i'll give it to him his older. i don't understand it's a baby who cares so it's great um, and we want to hear your story so the best story the most interesting one uh we'll dig out some nice bit of uh, merch and we'll send it on to you so we have that picture up on our instagram so just search uk packers uh we have it on our facebook group and we have it on our twitter and we want to hear your stories we genuinely want to hear your stories but look that's all for the podcast today. Um, our our post review after Victory Monday, after we win against the Browns, uh, fingers crossed, toes crossed, everything's crossed. Um, we're gonna have a guy called John Meerdink on, and John is the host of Blue Fifty Eight, which is and he's he runs the site powersweep.com. It's a fantastic website. It's very well researched. He puts an awful lot of time into it, and his podcasts are pretty good as well. He has that real radio voice, so. You know, if you're sick of listening to me and Andy with our mongrel accents, John will come on and make a show of us with his, you know, that Fraser style accent or whatever. You know, he'll show us exactly Blue how it's 58. done. Blue 58. It's a great podcast, Andy. Do you listen to Blue 58? Do you get to catch that? Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, top stuff. Yeah, it's top very, guy. very well done. He researches it quite well, lays it out quite well, and he's not sort of scatty like us. Um, you know, he sort of lays out his argument and all the rest. And he had, he had a brilliant set of podcasts where he went through the sort of you know, the stages of grief with the Packers season of like admitting that it's over, then getting angry, then saying they should fire Dom Capers <laughs> and then coming up with reasons for it. But it's all very well thought out and he never just gets on and hollers at people, um, which is really good. So that's something to look forward to on the next podcast. But from myself, at NFL on Twitter, uh, from the group at UK Packers, make sure you follow the group. And hopefully we'll see you there in London as well on December 10th in the Hippodrome. And from my old buddy, my old pal, it's at Pudishu. It's Andy Davies. It's goodbye till next week. Good evening, Steve.